Welcome to the Podglomerate. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or was just too hard to ask your partner, welcome to the Sex Wrap. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Sex Wrap. You're here today with Andrew and Spring, your favorite internet sex people. How are you today, Spring? <laughs> what? You're not a you don't like being a favorite internet sex person. Um <laughs> yeah. I don't know that we're everyone's favorite internet sex person. Well, sex advice people then. There we go. I just have to add one more word. I don't know. I've had a I've had a crazy last four or five days, so like I'm not all here. Um, for those of you who don't know, I am currently on Thanksgiving break, which means that I'm just enjoying the world around me. Um, I went to a night garden. I didn't even know that night gardens were a thing, but they like they took this big botanical garden and they put lights everywhere and fun music and find the fairies. Oh, I found me. Um, I mean, it was pretty fun. And then the next morning there was a drag brunch and then the next morning there was a drag brunch. And tonight I'm going to Santa's Enchanted Forest. Oh, are there fairies there too? Uh, I mean, I'll be there, but there are also, I I mean, it's this really weird, like 1950s reimagined tropical Christmas with diorama, carny food and rides that make you think you're going to die if you go on them. Hmm. My parents say I'm not allowed to go on those rides. (laughs) Yeah. uh, When I was a kid, I wasn't allowed to go on those rides. And now that I'm an adult and I look at those rides, most of them I'm like, and... Thanks, Mom. <laughs> Thanks for saving my life. Yeah. Um, but uh, the other thing that I want to say is my friend, Chris Tomasowitz, you know Chris, mm-hmm. Chris Tomasowitz is here. Then we're celebrating Friendsgiving week um, with people that we just want to hang out with and have a good time. So uh, that's why so many fun things are happening because we're celebrating all the different kinds of ways that you can be friends with people and have nice affirming relationships. So awesome. it's really fun. You'll have to come for Friendsgiving sometime. I would love to. Cool. Um, But it kind of takes me to the question for today. Um, And today the question is really a mishmash of hundreds and hundreds of questions that we've gotten about relationships. A lot of our questions come about relationships in terms of the negative, like my girlfriend does this thing and I can't stand it, or my boyfriend cheated on me, or all of my relationships fail, what can I do? Um, So really today... The question is like, what goes into a healthy relationship or what are some tips or tricks for a healthy relationship or what can I change about myself to engage in better, healthier relationships? I don't know what it's going to, I mean, it's it's kind of a mix of all of those sort of things, but like, what do you need to actually have happy, successful relationships? Yeah. And I mean, I think that holiday time is a great time to talk about healthy relationships because we have so much variability in the types of relationships we have with family members so often. And, you know, when we're talking about relationships, we are talking about relationships with friends, relationships with partners, relationships with family, and all of these relationships take work. And all of them, you know, if you want them to be healthy, then they all have the same types of things that go into them, really. And so a lot of our focus today is going to be on like the boyfriend, girlfriend relationship. But I think what Spring said is 100% true. The way that we have friendships and successful friendships, like the things that we put into those relationships are the same things that make for healthy other kinds of relationships, whether it's family or a significant other. So um, I have like the quickie, like the quick start, you know, like this is 
if you're only going to listen to five minutes of the show, this is what you have to do for a healthy Wait, relationship. Sorry, sorry. That's not allowed. <laughs> no, no quickies. <laughs> they have to listen to the whole episode. It always okay. comes together at the end. Come on. So, I mean, okay, so this is the first part of my 16 point. Anyway, there's a lot going on today. Um, but I think about this stuff uh, all the time, um, healthy relationships. And, and uh, I think the most important thing for any healthy relationship is real, open, honest communication. I mean, if people did it, we wouldn't even have a show anymore. Because with, like, with the exception of maybe four episodes, communication is the, the key. Answer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and when we're talking about communication, we're going to get more in depth about what communication looks like, but actually having good, healthy communication um, and thinking about what healthy communication looks like, right? Like if you feel like you're walking on eggshells or if you feel like a whole bunch of topics are off limits, or if you talk about something, someone's going to explode at you. Like those are examples of bad communication, right? Because you're withholding or not saying things. Um, so healthy communication is pretty much carte blanche. Like you can have real conversations about any topic with the other person and they can be deep and they can be sensitive, but things aren't off limits. And you know that when you're talking to the person, even if they get a little upset by the topic, they'll respect you and have like meaningful conversation back. Yeah. And I mean, I think that being a little anxious or worried about a conversation is different than not being able to have it. And so it's normal, you know, to have a little bit of discomfort around something that you're anxious about uh, talking to a partner with. But if it is not allowed to be talked about, or if you um, feel dangerous discomfort levels, then that's what we're talking about as unhealthy. Um, Number two is trust. Um, And it's reciprocal. By reciprocal, I mean like you trust them and they trust you. And trust isn't something that just happens out of nowhere, right? Trust is the outcome of hundreds of small things and conversations and like building up a body of evidence that I can trust this person emotionally. And if you're going to be having a sexual relationship, I can trust this person sexually with those parts of myself. And they can trust me as well. Right. So it's trust in both of those directions. And along with trust is loyalty. Um, I think that we all have relationships that are fragmented because either we weren't loyal or the other person wasn't loyal. And it, it it's all in the same vein as communication and trust as well. So communication, trust and then loyalty, being loyal to that friend. Yeah. And let's talk about what loyalty is. Loyalty um I think that sometimes people think of that as, you know, not ever flirting with somebody else or not ever like um, saying that you think someone else is attractive or something. And that isn't what we mean by loyalty. Loyalty is really this sense that someone knows they can rely on you, that they trust you so much and know that you're going to be there and align with them when it's important. Yeah. Um, Right. So just be loyalty is not blind following. Loyalty is not like some of those negative connotations around it. Loyalty is like being fully there and and supportive. And I think loyalty is also calling people out when they need to be called out too. Like if you have a good reciprocal relationship, loyalty is about like, hey, you kind of messed up. But we're going to be talking about messing up in just a minute because my fourth point is you got to give some space and you got to take some space. And this is space for your the people you're in relationships with and space for yourself. Everybody should enjoy some kind of space away and then 
should also understand that other people also need space. So giving and taking space is really important. And we see a lot of relationships fail because one, both or more parties have a hard time understanding that, you know, like sometimes I need my space. We've talked about my my secret single behaviors, um, but giving and taking space is really important in relationships because we're all our own people and we need some space. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's really important to keep that eye out for when the other person, whatever type of relationship that is you're, you're talking about, the other person in the relationship might need that space. And, you know, I think we're very good at finding that for ourselves, like being, oh, wait, I need some space right now. But it's also really nice to be able to watch out for your partner, your friend or whatever it is, and looking for a time when they might need space and offering that before they have to ask for it. And that is just the best feeling when somebody can recognize that you need a little space and say, Hey, do you like need a little time to yourself right now? And, um, that can be just the biggest relief to have that offered before you have to ask for it. Yeah. And be careful with giving space too. Like if someone's having a hard time and they need you, that's not the time where you ask if they need space. Just be really careful with that. Um, next point. Um, and this one's a hard one and we're going to be talking a <laughs> hard one. Uh, we're going to be talking, Uh, more about it throughout the episodes, but it's probably one of the most important and probably the one that our society tells us we should never do, but admitting when you're wrong. Like, admit when you're wrong. If you've messed something up, if you've misscheduled something, if you forgot something, if you burnt something, if you lost something, whatever it is, admitting that you're wrong. Blame is easy, right? And if we look at the research behind blame, we know that blame is whenever you disgorge uncomfortable emotions. And when you're wrong, you're uncomfortable. And you try to get rid of that discomfort by blaming other people. But blame is one of the worst things that you can do in any relationship. Taking accountability and saying when you're wrong is a really powerful way to show that you're, you 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 can be trusted and that there's loyalty and that you have good communication inside of your relationships. <laughs> Just admitting that you're wrong. Yeah. I think that what some people do, and I'm using the word some people to mean myself, <laughs> is like there's this ability to say, yeah, I'm wrong, but um, can you see how I would be right also. <laughs> and yeah, there is no but. Like there's no pause. Right. It's like I'm sorry, I messed right. up. Right. And that's this ability to take ownership for being wrong is full ownership and not just saying, you know, yeah, I'm wrong and, you know, there's this other part of this that could you see my point of view. Um the it doesn't it doesn't work when you do it that way when you kind of take half ownership um so what we're talking about when when you know that you're wrong it is this full acceptance and ownership that is what actually really contributes to that trust and the loyalty and that communication that Andrew was talking about. Um, And it's really hard to do too, right? Like we're in a world where admitting that you're wrong is a sign of weakness. have problems with that. (laughs) Well, I'm just not wrong. So (laughs) point number five, take nothing for granted. Um, This is something that's a huge pitfall for all kinds of relationships where things seem to be going well and you end up taking things for granted 
Um, it could be small things. It could be large things. But uh, taking things for granted uh, is one of the worst things that you could do. And it hurts the other people that you're in relationships with. It hurts the relationship itself. Um, all of the things that happen between you and other people do take effort do take energy and you should be thankful that those things are happening because when you have a healthy relationship, it's not an accident. Like it might be serendipity how you got together. It might feel like you're in a romantic comedy movie, but having that relationship work and having healthy relationships, friendships, family relationships, romantic partners, like don't take any of that for granted, right? All of that is work that you and the other people are putting into those relationships. And you should be thankful instead of taking it for granted. And I see this happen all the time. Like people start out strong and they're getting along great. And then they start to take that healthy relationship that they've built for granted. And then it crumbles, right? So you can't take things for granted. Um, and this is really linked to my next point too. Um, relationships take energy every single day. Now, I'm not I mean, this is getting more into like the romantic partnerships or people you might live with or people you might be dating. Um, but relationships do take daily work, daily effort, daily energy. And it doesn't necessarily have to feel like a lot of work or onerous work or hard work. Right. But it does take energy and effort every single day. Um, and that energy comes in lots of different forms, affirmation, support. Uh, I mean, just there's lots of different ways we, that we can think about it. But if we look into the research, relationships that are the most successful over long periods of time have people, all people in the relationship who say like, yes, I need to put emotional work. I need to put physical work. I need to put social work into this relationship every single day. And the cool thing about that putting energy into the relationship is that when everybody's doing that and that reciprocity, that kind of both people, you know, contributing like Andrew talked about means that you're getting this back as well. So you're not just throwing energy away. Like you are getting energy back from that other person. And the relationship is something that you are a part of. So when you put energy into the relationship, you're benefiting directly as well. So there is this like real return of that energy that you contribute to a relationship. And it actually, I would say magnifies because you're putting energy in and you benefit from that. And then your partner puts energy in and you benefit from that as well. So as you think about, you know, putting work in, I think that if you kind of have this larger picture of what that work results in, it makes it even easier to put that work toward. And it's the kind of thing where once you start practicing these tips along the way, you will immediately see like, well, not necessarily. Sometimes you'll immediately see that this relationship is a dud and I need to get out. <laughs> but if you're working like with the with the other person or other people, right, because there are multiple person relationships, too. Like if everybody's putting in time and energy and effort, um, you, you see it and you feel it. And that relationship starts to feel better. And all of the other stuff that we're talking about, that communication and loyalty gets easier, too. Um and kind of going along with the energy that goes into relationships every day, um, showing affection is incredibly important. Now, this one, uh, kind of like a message to a lot of the men out there, affection is not trying to have sex with another person, right? Now, affection can lead to sex, certainly they have, but I think it's really important, and this is a big complaint that we get from a lot of our listeners, is that uh, like sometimes people more likely men than women confuse affection 
with sex or the penis with a heart. Like they're different. They, they're different. I'm sorry. I, I've never gotten a penis confused with a heart in my life. <laughs> see, see. Um, but affection is more than just sex, right? There's lots of other ways that we can show affection. Um, you can use words and say kind, say nice, say sweet things. And this is where women need some training because women expect people to say nice things to them and expect compliments or they're more likely to. And they're really not very likely to give them to men. Right. So romance and affection is a two way street as well. So if you want to be in a relationship that has affection and romance, regardless if you're male, female, um, you need to make sure that you are co-creating that. Um, we'll do a, a Valentine's Day episode again. I'm just going to rant like I've done for the last three, but we'll talk more about creation of romance. Um, but uh, words and touch. Right. So touch can be affectionate too. things like hugs or being on a couch together or if you in a long distance relationship having a little video screen up and like just seeing each other and being in each other's presence and being affirming of one another but it is really important to show affection every single day and i mean i think that it's also interesting to you know think about more creative ways to show affection and so you know words and touch these things um are definitely affection but how else does your um your partner or the person that you're in some type of relationship with want to receive that type of affection and talking about that <laughs> with that person um and you know brainstorming with them about different ways that they would like to receive affection from you and thinking about these various different styles of doing that and whether it's doing something for them or whether it's, you know, writing something for them. There's a lot of different ways to do that and thinking about both being creative there and then acknowledging which ways your partner might prefer to receive those will, I think, really amp up that um, benefit that you get from the affection that you're putting in. Absolutely. Spring, you just reminded me of something I meant to say at the very beginning, and I completely forgot. Um, we are giving general rules surrounding healthy relationships. Every relationship looks different, right? Every single relationship you're going to be in is, is going to be different. And what Spring just said is really important. If you're with somebody and they don't like a certain kind of affection and you're trying to be affectionate while doing that kind of affection that the other person doesn't like, it's going to be damaging to your relationship, right? So it's going to be different for everybody. Um, I'm going to put a little shout out to my friend, Susanna. Um, we we work together um, and we're really close friends. And we do, well, she does this really neat thing like where she finds where I'm teaching and she leaves a little note on the podium so that when I get there, there's this like little happy fun note. And then I do the same sort of thing in our office. But for us, the affection in our friendship is about leaving like these really nice, kind words uh, in spaces where we know the other person will see it right before they're about to do something stressful, which is like a really sweet way to show affection. Um, but yeah, make sure that you check with the person and that they're getting the kind of affection that they they need or that they're looking for, not the kind of affection that you think <laughs> they need. Um, but we need to take a short break. We will be right back. Welcome back, everybody. Um, we were just talking about showing affection. Um, Spring and I show affection. We do all kinds of fun little things. She just sent me this beautiful card <laughs> in the mail. Anyway, there's lots of different ways that you can show affection with other people. Um, 
All right. So this is another difficult one. Um, and we see people do it all the time. It's about keeping score instead of acting generously. You know what I mean by keeping score? <laughs> you can keep score on everything. Like there are things that I never thought anybody could possibly keep score on that I've had partners keep score on. Like that is, is, I would agree, one of the most detrimental things for a relationship. If you're always trying to keep track of every dollar spent or every kiss given or every time you held my hand in front of some certain person. I mean, it is innumerable. There's too many things to count that could possibly be kept track of. And yeah, it's always damaging. <laughs> I mean, and it's linked to that, like, feelings of like admitting your, I mean, it's part of that whole negative cascade. So I wanted to flip it around because people are talking pretty consistently. We look about re relationships, not keeping score. I think instead acting generously towards the other person is kind of the opposite of taking score where like, I don't count how many times I hold your hand, but I know it makes you feel good. So I'm going to act generously and hold your hand in those situations. So you'll feel better in those situations. And I'm not doing it for any other reason than it affirms you and it affirms our relationship. You know, it kind of feeds into all of the other stuff that we've been talking about. Um, but acting generously takes rethinking yourself too, because most of the relationships that we see in movies and media, a lot of the ones that we see in our families are tit for tat or quid pro quo, where I'm doing something to get something from the other person, or I'm keeping track of something like, well, I cooked dinner six nights this week. The least you could have done is, and as soon as you hear your brain or, or you feel your brain going into the at least or but, right? Now I need something for the nice things that I've done. It kind of undoes all the good stuff, right? Like if, if you end up doing something nice for somebody for a week, and then at the end of it, you want something for it, it poisons all of the nice stuff that you've done. I mean, cooking, hopefully not the cooking part, but no, um, <laughs> it poisons it all because then instead of it feeling like they were doing something good or feeling like they were doing something to put energy into your relationship and help you, it feels like they're doing something to get something from you, right? Mm -hmm. Now, if you're shopping at the store, sure, that's fine. That's the whole point of that interaction. But if this is with a romantic partner or a friend or a family member, it's really damaging as well. So try to stay away from keeping store. And I, I mean, act generously like you're doing these things because they're good things to do and you care about this person not because you want something back and it it's a little bit more than you know acting generously it's and having that intent behind it it's also uh, and not keeping score it's also like not kind of bragging and telling the person about it you know and that's I think it's like oh, another level like where and it, it's not even keeping track it's just like oh look I made you dinner it's like I know you made me dinner I walked into it like you and there's kind of this like please please praise me please give me something back for it and in this idea of this healthy relationship we're creating it is you're doing this as service for that person because you want to and that is putting energy into the relationship and you are benefiting from that. And then you also then will expect that a person that is a good partner and that is in a healthy relationship with you is then returning that when they are able to. And that isn't always going to balance out over the course of a day or a week or a month. And there are definitely times and 
partnerships where one person is able to give more based on, you know, uh, something's happening at school or at work that is very demanding or stressful, that might mean that somebody is less able to contribute um, energetically into the relationship in certain ways during that time. And so we not only are we like trying not to keep track, but also like just trusting that as you give to this relationship and as you're creating this healthy relationship together, that, you know, the other person is knows those things and acknowledges those and is returning those things in, in some way. And it might not be the same way. It might not be along that same, um, access of behavior. So the person might not be making dinner as repayment, but they might be, um, doing some other chore around the house or something that you actually hate doing. And you know what, you might not even notice that it's being done and they might not be telling you all day that remember I took the trash out four times this week. That's a lot of trash. Hopefully you don't have that much trash, but, (laughs) but it's, that's, that's all part of it that we all contribute and we all give in these ways and that we don't, you know, bring that up as a source of, um, keeping track in any way. Yeah. So try to stay away from keeping sore. When you feel yourself doing it, think about why. Now, if you are with somebody who's a taker, right? And I think a lot of us has dated someone who's a taker, just takes and takes and takes and doesn't give. Um, You don't have a healthy relationship um, if that's the kind of, if that's what's going on. So in that case, uh, acting generously, they're just going to take advantage of you. If if you're in that situation, dump them. Or talk about it and work towards like building something with reciprocity. But like the the points we're talking about are mostly around like building healthy relationships. So if you're in one already and there's some bad stuff, like don't say Spring and Andrew said act generously and I'm giving everything and getting nothing back. That's not what this is about at all. But the other part of that is if you are concerned that something doesn't feel like a healthy relationship, then that's a point to talk about it with that person. And first of all, it could be that you didn't realize something that was going on in their life that's impacting this, that they might have been hiding from you because they felt um, worried about or uncomfortable talking about. Or it could be that they are contributing in these other ways that you haven't noticed. And so a lot of times um, there are, you know, a lot of things to actually talk about when you feel something like this, when you feel something that you're like, oh, what's going on here? It doesn't necessarily mean this is a bad relationship or this is unhealthy, but it means this is a point to talk and figure out what is happening. And and yes, of course, if you're in an unbalanced and a healthy relationship, um, then we support you trying to find a way out of that. Um, but it's also... Like we want to talk about what's happening and make sure we understand what's happening before we just say, get out of that. Absolutely. Um, And this is really linked to the next kind of thing that I want to talk about. Um, So compliments are really important inside of relationships, right? Compliments, there's lots of different ways to compliment someone. It's not always what someone looks like, but it can be what they've done, how they make you feel, like making sure that you compliment people. Um, this is one that gets really sad for me, though. Like, I talk to my uh, mostly heterosexual male friends, and I ask them about when they've been complimented last, and most of them can't even recall the last time someone said something nice to them. Um, so this is another charge for women. So men with uh, affection, it doesn't have to be sexual. Women give compliments 
to men in your lives, right? And men give compliments to women. Everyone just compliment each other because um, there's lots of things. If you're working on a healthy relationship, there are all kinds of things to compliment. And it kind of clears up some of the issues that Spring and I were just talking about with acting generously or keeping score as well, because then you are recognizing like, thank you for making me this lovely meal or thank you for making the bed or putting away the laundry or walking, whatever it is, like just being complimentary and thankful for it as well. I'm kind of blurring this all together too in my head because the the other thing that's really important with compliments is to say, I love you and to say, thank you every single day. Like let people know that you love them verbally, right? This is direct, frequent, meaningful communication where you say the L word, right? Um, Now, if you're at the beginning of a relationship or like date one or two, like you don't, you probably don't want to go there. But if you've gotten to the point... And you can go back and listen to our episode about when should I say I love you. (laughs) But direct, frequent, meaningful I love yous are really important. And this is one where there's a lot of men who have been taught and trained throughout their lives to not say I love you or to think that people don't need it. Hint, people need it. Everybody needs it. Yeah. And, you know, this idea of complimenting and like genuine compliments, it's actually very easy to find things to compliment. Some people think, oh, it's too hard. I'll never be able to find so many things. Um, It's very easy when you look. Um, But also, I think that, you know, Andrew commented on, you know, they don't have to be appearance-based. And I would say, I would actually challenge you to make most of your compliments non-appearance-based because that actually contributes to this idea that that is all a person is uh, valuable for and why you love them. And in a healthy relationship, that is not the case. So I would encourage you to look for these things that your partner is doing, these like actions and these behaviors uh, where you can say like, wow, that was a really brave thing you did, or that was a really impressive um, comment that you, an argument you replied to with, or, you know, talking about um, things that they are saying, things they are doing um, and complimenting them on that is very meaningful. Yeah. And it's about those meaningful compliments, um, meaningful, I love you. And then kind of to sum up like the last four points, saying thank you really matters. Before Spring and I hang up every episode, we thank each other, we tell each other we love each other, and then we go on our way until we talk to each other again. But being thankful for people in your life and letting them know, right, like that undoes so much of the other damage and it gets rid of a lot of those questions and telling people that you love that you love them lets them know, right? It doesn't hurt you at all to put that kind of language out there. Um, So Spring, how do you feel today about doing like an extra long episode? Well, I'm in for it if you're in for it. All right, everybody, then we have to take a second break. So we will be right back. All right, everybody, welcome back to how to build or how to have or how to form or what to look for in a healthy relationship. Turns out it's harder than you thought. It's an extra long episode. Extra long. I mean, there's just a lot going on. Um, 
And, and whenever I was looking at like what goes on on the internet for this kind of stuff, there's all these like little trite memes and all of this, uh, like all of this advice that wasn't backed up with rationale or reason or what it actually looked like. So we really want to, we really want to make sure that our listeners have all of the tools in their toolbox to try to have the best possible relationships. Mm. Um, all right. So I'm going to dive a little bit deeper for this last segment today. Um, and some of these things seem like common sense, right? But in terms of relationships, take nothing for granted, right? None of it is common sense. You have to be explicit. Um, and something that we see happen, uh, especially in relationships, when, when, whenever there's been a change, like you've graduated from high school, you've graduated from college, that things start to fall apart. So this is going a little bit, we're going to talk about those kind of relationships here. Um, and I think one of the most important things to do, especially if we start looking at all of the information we have available, is being interested in one another. Them taking an interest in you and your life and the things that you're doing and you taking an interest in them. We're not talking about sexual interest, though, of course, that is a part of sexual <laughs> relationships. Um, and it seems like a, a really silly thing to say, but think about how many bad relationships that you've seen in your life for people who've gotten divorced where they have nothing in common. They're not interested at all. Like uh, Spring loves yoga. When she's around, I talk with her about yoga and she's even set up many yoga sessions in my house when we talk about like, like you build meaningful relationships based off of dual interest. I drag Spring to drag shows. Drag, Not really drag. She drag. comes willing. Um, I mean, there's a difference between taking an interest in someone's interest and than in actually having that be an interest of yours, right? So I can attend drag shows with you and enjoy them and still not like have that be a main part of my life where I'm going to drag shows every weekend, right? So right. there's this ability to enjoy something with a partner because you like seeing them happy and want to engage with them and something that makes them really happy and even just talking about that thing with them. And that's very different than like taking that on as your own hobby. So you can definitely have many different hobbies and have very varied lives that are not intertwined on all levels. But we're talking about this ability to to have those discussions and to be willing to try those things with somebody so that you are just really interested in understanding them and what they like and what makes their life go around. Because if something's a big part of their life and you aren't asking questions or don't like try it out, then that does kind of hamper your ability to really understand that person and, you know, understand what's happening for them day to day and be able to empathize with them. And I mean, and when you have interest, make sure you invite your partner to they might say no, right? They may, might say no many times. But keeping that invitation out there alive and open is really important. Like my partner has a nerd night on Wednesdays. And I get invited to go and I typically don't go. But once in a while, I will go out and do one of the nerd night things with his group of nerd they call it nerd night so i'm like not not saying anything about it, nerds i'm also a nerd um but it's not my kind of nerd night but that having that invitation out there is really important and similarly putting invitations out because it starts building you know a life outside of home or a life with friends or a life with interest and that's really important um and in terms of these interests it's important to start asking deeper questions as well um 
not just what did you do, but what was your experience like? Or how did you experience that? Like start asking deeper questions so that you understand, like Spring was saying, like you understand what they're thinking, what they're feeling, why they enjoy it, where that energy comes from. Um, because the more you know your partner, the more that, like, the more that you understand what gets them excited, right? Is, is useful, is helpful for you understanding them as a person and having the best possible relationship. Next one's another more difficult one. Um, assume goodwill. Now, I say this all the time to people. I try really hard to assume goodwill. Um, and by assume goodwill is when crappy things happen or someone does something that doesn't live up to my expectation, I assume that they were trying the best, that something external happened. The second part is holding the people that you're in these relationships with in high regard, right? So like putting them, not I'm not saying put them on a pedestal, but hold them in high regard. Say positive things about them. Say positive things about them when they're not around. Um, we all have the friends who say negative things about their boyfriends or girlfriends all the time when they're not around, like damaging negative things. Um, but if you assume goodwill and you hold the people that you're in relationships with, hold people that you're in relationships with, whoa, can't talk, hold people that you're in relationships with in high regard, mistakes cease being about failure of the other person and mistakes become circumstantial. Like the things that led up to the issue becomes the mistake instead of that person making the mistake. Because A, if you hold them in high regard and, or no, A, if you hold them in goodwill, right? If you assume goodwill and you hold them in high regard, you know, they're not trying to hurt you. You know, they're not trying to piss you off. They're no, you know, they're not trying to be late or mess up something, right? Because those things happen to everybody. We're not perfect, right? But it's really important that you hold people in high regard and assume goodwill. And it's a hard lesson to learn, assuming goodwill, because there's a lot of meanness that happens to us around our lives, right? There's mean people, there's mean girls, there's queen bees, there's people who tear people down, there's sarcasm all over the place. Um, and it's really turning that on their head and saying like, I really understand that you are not trying to do bad things, right? And I, I hold you in high regard and I'm not gonna say negative things about you. Um Right. Let me just talk about some of the benefits of assuming goodwill instead of assuming malintent. And here's the thing. If your partner, you know, um, doesn't invite you to this thing they're doing with their friends on the weekend and you immediately assume, oh, it's because they don't love me or, oh, it's because they're trying to hide me from their friends, you know, then first of all, what starts to happen is you start acting in a like worse way toward them. So you're actually starting, you are creating this negative loop that is now happening. Um, and then often what will happen is you'll find out later that that's not actually the reason why, right? So if you're in a healthy relationship, then they aren't acting with the malintent. And there was probably a reason around, you know, they needed um, some time to discuss this thing with their friend that they had been promising they would talk to them about or, you know, whatever it is. And so then what happens is if you've assumed that malintent and you've been acting in this negative way and then then you find out that it's not true, then you feel worse and you feel bad about the reaction that you had and you feel like, and you beat yourself up over it. And so there's actually so much negative energy created and um, really harmful energy. And that all happens when you just assume malintent. And if you assume good intent from the beginning, 
you are then only creating these like positive, beautiful vibes. And then if you find out that somebody is acting in a negative way, then okay, have a conversation and, you know, move on from there. But there's no use putting out all that negative energy and those negative feedback loops for no reason. Um, And that's what often is occurring. So if you assume the best intent first, um, then you're only creating more positive energy and this like better loop within your relationship. And um, it's just going to benefit you and your relationship. Like there's there's, you're only damaging yourself if you are assuming these negative things straight off the bat. Yep. I mean, and this is a skill. You have to practice it. You have to train your brain not to go down that path, right? That path that's going to say like, well, what if this, what if that, maybe he's this, maybe she's that, but assuming goodwill puts your brain on a completely different trajectory where you're like, Hey, did you have fun with your friend tonight? Or, Hey, did you have fun with whatever you were doing? Like it just changes that entire uh, kind of way that you assess the situation. And speaking about assessment, we have to talk about needs. Um, I probably should have put this higher in my <laughs> list of things to talk about today, but um, it, needs are really uh, the basis of so many positive and negative relationships. And by needs, I mean, like, think about all of the things that you need in a relationship, like all of the things that you need from another person, and then all of the things that they're going to need from you and talk about what those needs are. If you've not vocalized them, if you've not written them down, if you've not created a sex menu, I mean... We have episodes about all of those kind of things. So it's really important for you to start talking about what your needs are. And even more important to know that needs change over the course of a relationship. Um, The person that you meet now and the person, if you stay with them for two, three, five, ten years, their needs are going to be different. And so are yours. Right. And sometimes people get into the slump where they think that they don't need to change, that they're addressing their partner needs. But if you don't have conversations if you don't bring it up, if you don't talk about it, if you're not explicit, right, uh, you start missing things that change. Um, I know a lot of our listeners are uh, in high school. A lot of you are in college. You have some big changes coming up. And if you want to, if you're in a relationship and you want to continue it afterwards, you need to talk about what some of those needs are and what's changed. If you don't check up with your partner about your needs or don't check in, you are essentially doomed to failure. <laughs> Yeah. There's one other thing that I want to say, and then I'm going to turn it over to Spring. She keeps looking at me. Um, So a big issue with needs is that there are people who think that their partner should be able to read their mind about their needs and that they should be doing things without them ever having to say it. Nobody can ever hear what you are thinking, right? If you don't expressly tell people what your needs are, right? And we're not talking like, I wanted this ring, not that ring. A ring is not a need, right? We're talking explicitly about the things that you need to be fulfilled from a relationship. If you're not being explicit about it, no one can ever hear you. So uh, if you're ever in a relationship and then someone's getting mad at you for you not understanding their needs because they never told them because you were just supposed to be able to figure out, they're in the wrong, right? This See, like, this is about being <laughs> right or wrong. No, we, we can't do that. Um, the issue... The ball is in their court because they never told you whatever that issue is. Like, I don't like carnations. There, I said. (laughs) Don't send me carnations. Yeah, I mean, no one likes carnations. Uh (laughs) I'm sorry to all of our listeners who love carnations. Yeah, I mean, I think that the hardest part about this is that needs change. So, you know, you can have these difficult conversations and think you really understand someone um, and then, you know, 
something changes and you kind of feel like the rug's been pulled out from under you sometimes in a relationship when you're like, wait, I thought you liked that or I thought you wanted that or I thought you needed that. Um, and then someone feels like they're getting too much of that thing that they uh, needed in the past, you know? So I think that the easiest thing to do here is, you know, to remember how much you've changed in your relationships over the course of your life, or even over the course of a specific, you know, few month relationship, you can think about how, um, all of these things go into affecting what you need, like all of the the length of time you've been in that relationship and um, how well you know someone and then how deep that relationship becomes and how healthy it is. Like all of these contextual factors affect your needs. So knowing that people's needs will change and then just continually checking in with people around those needs and having those kind of regular um, catch-ups with your partner about um, where they currently feel they are needing a little more and where they're currently feeling that they might need a little bit less of what you've been providing. Absolutely. Um, and look at the context and situation of people's lives as well. If someone gets fired or if there's a death in the family or if they get a new job or like all of those things change, like those kind of temporary needs. There's also long term needs that change as well as people age or as their beliefs change or as other relationships in their lives change. Um, so just be really thoughtful about it and have conversations about it, too. Um, the thing is, if you start having these conversations earlier in relationships, you'll end up having better, stronger relationships over the entire <laughs> relationship, right? Like this is not the kind of thing where you can go in after being with someone for three or four years and having a couple really bad years at the end and be like, hey, why don't we have a conversation about what I need or what you need in this relationship? Like it might help, but this is the kind of thing where if you started earlier, it's easier. Um, I only have a few more points today that I want to get into. Uh, so, uh, but I think one of the most important things that we can talk about is positive interactions with the other partner. Um, and there's a whole bunch of research that talks about positive interactions. That just means that you're dealing with a person or a friend or dealing with, you're <laughs> in an interaction with a friend or someone in a relationship or even someone at work. Um, and at the end of it, does it feel pretty good or does it feel kind of eh? Right. And we know that the relationships that we're in, as long as there's a net positive, we end up actually being able to have a pretty good relationship with that person, um, as opposed to if there are negative issues. Um, there are a lot of negative issues that come up inside of relationships. It's normal if you're in a relationship where there's never any fighting or never any conversation or never any discussion of like, other external positive things like those negative things are still happening. Right. Like in people's minds, in people's lives. Um, probably should start talking about it. Uh, but as long as you can focus on more positive or as long as you have more positive interactions and you spend more energy focusing on those positive than your negative, you're much better off inside of your relationship. So focus on those positive interactions, create those positive interactions. And if you're doing all the other stuff that we've been talking about, you're going to end up with a huge net positive inside of your relationship as well. Yeah. And I think that that one can kind of sound difficult, this idea of like, creating a positive interaction. <laughs> but I think it's not it's not like you have to make these things happen. They happen all the time. It's just your ability to recognize them and to then acknowledge them aloud with your partner and reminding your partner of those things. So that's what we're talking about here. Like really just uh, helping you both 
acknowledge all of those great things that are happening within the relationship. We already talked about uh, like admitting that you're wrong, um, which is kind of like, once again, it's like the sort of short thing, like admit that you're wrong, but there's a lot more to it than that. Um, And this is one that a lot of people have problem with because you have to take yourself out of the right, wrong mindset and change it to a problem solving mindset where, oh, there's an issue that we need to address. And that's way more important than me being right. Um, If we look at relationships, pride and uh, like not being able to admit that you're wrong um, and focusing on winning all the time are really toxic. I mean, they're toxic everywhere. Think about all the people that we see in the world, the people who are always full of pride and always like, oh, I'm a a win, 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 win. I win, 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 no matter what. Anyway, (laughs) it's really toxic uh, to that person and all of the people surrounding them. Um, And by solving problems, uh, sometimes it's about listening. A lot of the time it's about actively compromising to solve issues. Um, and it's also being aware that there are issues that you will run into in relationships that do not have a solution that are not solvable. Um, and what you'll find in relationships is that you keep coming back to them, right? Like everything's good. And then that rabbit hole, like you start going down it and you know where that fight is going and you know, it's going to get to that problem where there's no easy answer and the warning signs are going and you are running headlong. Part of being focused on solving problems instead of being right is to know that there are a lot of traps or pitfalls that are going to lead you to the unsolvable sort of issues, right? And recognizing them saying, I realize that this issue is not going to have a compromise or solution for us. And I still love you. And and it is okay that these issues exist because they exist in our relationships. And instead, focus on making sure you don't get to that point. So you're not right. They're not wrong. We have to focus on solving these issues. We should compromise on them. And the ones that we can address, right, those ones, we do our best to make sure that we don't go down that path that leads to that fight. Yeah. And I think that this is where, you know, thinking outside of the box and being creative is so important because we often just think, well, I don't know, we couldn't solve that before, or um, we've already had this problem. Why are we having it again? And there are so many ways to solve problems. And, you know, Andrew talked about compromise. And so there is like, you know, I give a little, you give a little, but there's also what if there's something totally different we're not thinking of? What if there's something that is totally around the other side that neither of us have even considered? And that's where it can really, you know, come in handy to talk to some friends, friends that are in relationships um, around the like kind of a similar relationship as you, maybe like the same kind of length of time or same kind of style of relationship and talk to them about, you know, have you had an issue similar to this and look for other ideas on solutions. And, you know, when you start to branch out and like think a little more broadly about things, and even if your friend doesn't have the answer, they might say something that kind of inspires you a little bit to give you some more ideas about uh, thinking about your problem in a new way. And that is um, the only way that we're ever going to really solve problems in relationships well is getting creative about those solutions. Absolutely. Um, And there's a lot of different ways that you can be creative, but always have like your eye on compromise, right? It's not about winning. It's not about being right. It's about building that the best possible relationship you can. And that takes me to my very last point for today. Um, 
And it's all about empathy, right? Spring and I have both said the word empathy multiple times as we're talking about these other issues, but be empathetic, learn empathy. Empathy is a skill that you can practice. Actively engage in empathy, right? You need to, if you want to be in a healthy relationship with someone, you need to be able to quickly identify whenever a friend or a sexual partner is hurt or angry or unhappy or upset, and then address those issues in a timely manner. Like, I don't mean like run up to them like when they're really upset and do it immediately. But something that we see happen in a lot of really toxic relationships or loveless relationships is that when there's an issue and someone's hurt, they just let it sit. No one talks about it. The silence treatment comes out. I'm fine. Like the the fine, you know, like fine is kind of a dirty word. Language starts to come out. And all of those are incredibly damaging to relationships. Um, but if you're empathetic and you can see that the other person is hurt or upset or that something is wrong, and then you've built into your relationship that it's okay for me to go there and talk about it. It's okay for me to address these issues. I don't want you to feel bad. And I realize there might not be anything I can do right now, but I'm just here to listen. Like there's a lot of things that you can do to build empathy into your relationship. And if you're using empathy, every single other thing that we've talked about, the previous 16 points, they're not really points, but the previous uh, hour long conversation, like becomes common sense. It becomes easy um, because you're in it. You're feeling with that other person. You're trying your best to understand the situation. And even if there's nothing you can do, to directly address it, you're there to listen and support them. And empathy is more than just listening. Empathy is this like kind of um, ability to kind of understand what somebody's going through. And, and sometimes that can feel really difficult to put yourself in someone's shoes. You might feel like you're so far removed from the experience that they are having that you feel like you can't be empathetic. And so what that really is, is practice. And it is um, about asking more questions if you can't understand that, you know, listening to what your partner is saying and then asking more questions about it to really help you understand those pieces that you don't understand. And um, I've, I have someone in my life that regularly does that. They just, you know, um, often can't understand something that I'm going through. We've come from very different places, obviously. And um, they just ask a lot of questions, you know, when I'm upset about something to really try to understand my positioning on it. And that in itself makes me feel better, right? Because they, I'm getting that they really want to understand what I'm going through. And so you, you aren't expected to just completely understand everyone's experiences, but you can ask questions about it so that you get closer to understanding. And then that is a way of showing this kind of really goodwill and this like desire to really understand and be empathetic to what's going on for your partner. Couldn't have said it better myself. That was beautiful. <laughs> All right. So uh, today, uh, thank you for listening. I have a shout out. Um, so we just celebrated Thanksgiving. And uh, last year, Spring and I talked about what we were thankful for. But I wanted to talk about what I was thankful for in my relationship. Um, so I'm going to ask Spring the same question. So she didn't know this was coming up. So she's going to have like my 20 seconds. But I'm thankful that my relationship is one where we can all be wrong together, except for my dog, because she's perfect in every way. She's the Mary Poppins of dogs. Um, there's a lot of power in being wrong uh, because people, 
when people ask me all the time why or how we've been together so long and how we're happy for so long, it comes down to these really basic relationship rules and realizing that having the healthy relationship is the win and being wrong is how you get to that win. Anyway, it sounded a lot fun, more fun in my head when I said it to myself at first. I like the dog part. I don't know. What are you thankful for, Spring, in terms of your relationship? Um, I have this wonderful, amazing partner who is the most patient person in the world, um, who has taught me patience. Um, and I am a very uh, big go-getter. I just want to jump on things and make them happen. <laughs> and uh, the patience that I've learned from this person has improved the quality of our relationship, um, has improved the quality of most of the relationships in my life. And I can see that the patience that we've taken with building this healthy relationship um, has contributed to making it stronger and, uh, and more healthy. And I mean, um, the time that it takes to really build something like that, I don't think can be underestimated. It actually, you know, takes time to really build these healthy relationships and to build that trust with your partner. And I'm so grateful to this person for, um, teaching me this value of patience that has uh, helped me in so many ways. Oh, that's beautiful. All right, everybody. Thank you for sharing that spring. Thank you for listening, everybody. If you have any questions about love or relationships or better relationships, maybe we'll do an episode soon about toxic relationships and like what to look for. How do you know if your relationship is toxic? Yeah, the other side. Um, anyway, um, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, feedback, you can uh, contact us or have any other questions. Uh, our email is thesexwrap at gmail.com. You can call us at 413-I-RAP-IT. And you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Facebook and Twitter at the sex rep. And I just want to wrap up this episode by saying if all of this seemed like a lot, because it was just focus on grabbing a couple of those things that jumped out at you as you were listening, you know, one or two little things that you can start to incorporate right away. And then in a month or two, come back and listen again and see what new things you can start to work on a little bit more. You don't have to do all this at once. Patience. Patience. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Have Bye. a good one. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or just too... Af- Music for this episode provided by the ever-elusive and mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.